0: Welcome to the Japan Longing Club podcast, a podcast for those who long to travel to Japan and appreciate media, games, and real-life culture from Japan and the world beyond. We're your hosts, Jared and Randy. Randy, how
1: are you doing on this fine evening? I'm doing okay, just trying not to be stressed out by uh, an upcoming move. An upcoming move? Are
0: you like you moving like five feet, or are you moving across the country? Uh,
1: Just a... just across the, the, the town that I'm in, <laughs> so it's not too far, but still, like, I gotta get all my stuff in boxes and movers and all that other fun jazz, so, you know, just trying not to have that take up most of my, my brain's processing power and RAM, so. I hear you. That kind of stuff is always
0: a lot to think about, a lot to plan. It's always this big life moment, like, you'll always remember this move going forward. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, thankfully not moving <laughs> oh good <laughs> not yet at least uh things are pretty good just enjoying the hot summertime uh thunderstorms weather mm-hmm. life uh, things have settled down a little bit so hopefully plan some trips in the future or something but kind of just chillaxing and enjoying a, a new tv setup you know been playing some mm-hmm. video games a lot of elden ring Ooh, yeah it's been really cool Uh, It's my first From Software game. I, yeah, it's been an experience. I'm like 10, 12 hours in. It's been a blast. But what have you been up to? What have you been playing?
1: Oh, uh, I've been playing a game that a lot of people talked about called Neon White. So I decided to pick it up and see what that's all about. It is a first-person parkour shooter slash visual novel. Uh, It's just a wild time, and it's just you know, you try to do your best run over and over again and, and get a better time than uh, your friends. And I don't know, like, it's uh, it's all just really good. And other than that, uh, I got really excited from that uh, stream for Final Fantasy VII stuff. So I picked up Final Fantasy VII Remake again. And I'm not currently on Chapter 14 of... I can't remember how many there were. It's like 16 or something like that. But yeah. yeah, I've been doing that. And it's a lot of fun being back with Cloud and the gang. Yeah, I mean... Speaking of a lot of fun being back with the gang,
0: I have been playing more Chrono Cross finally. And Mm. I accidentally missed out on one of my favorite characters when I was like, what, like a a kid or a teen playing it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a fairy named like Raz or Razly or something. It's so easy to miss her and many of the characters in that game that uh, I I just, I'm like walked right past her. Uh, Apparently she is definitively gone she was fed to like a a water hydra she's just she's dead she's gone um i'm very upset because i liked her a lot so now i'm like continuing on in this game without one of my favorite characters and i didn't even know i didn't even realize it it's that easy if you just talk to like the wrong person you don't get certain characters and that was one of the kind of cool kind of crazy things about that game in the day so
1: oh man that's uh that's rough, but now you get to really experience something all new. It's a story, a story without the person you love. I mean, she's just kind of a minor character, so it's whatever. But still, uh, I have heard a lot of
0: good things about Neon White, and I've heard mm-hmm. that if you like anime and stuff like that, it's got some like yeah. kind of writing like that. So
1: very, very anime, which uh, I, I'm, of course, that's my thing. So. Um, story is good. Writing is, I think, pretty funny. I mean, humor can be subjective, so some people might not dig it as much, but, uh, I definitely do. Uh, but the gameplay for me has kind of been the main hook that every time I'm in those sections, I'm like, yes, this is, this is where the game's at. Are you, are you playing on PC? Uh, I've been mostly playing on Steam Deck, so then I've got gyro aiming, which is, uh, really, really great. I think the Switch version should have gyro aiming for that too, so... Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good, good times, man. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of good times, I just want to bring up those anime vibes here. Uh, you said that you watched the new Thor movie and you rewatched RRR, which for me, I've seen the trailers for both and they both look like live action
1: anime to me. How were those experiences <laughs> for you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, more recently saw Thor Love and Thunder. And uh, I always dig a Taika Waititi project, uh, so very fun, very funny, um, you know, typical Marvel polish for everything, looking so shiny and, and cool that way. Uh, it was a good time. I really liked it, and I'm excited to watch it again, just like I watched RRR or Rise, Roar, Revolt, which is a uh, an Indian film. Uh, I had seen it before in theaters. It's uh, a little over three hours long, and in the theater they had an intermission, but my husband did not get to go see it with me. So we sat down and we watched it. It's currently on Netflix, so watched that over 4th of July, and uh, man, just as good and over-the-top the the second time. Yeah, uh, I saw the trailer for
0: RRR. I looked up what RRR stands for. I saw that it means different things in different languages hmm Yes, that movie sounds wild, and I want to host something with friends who have just no clue what's going to happen, because I really don't know, even with the trailer. Uh, but yeah, speaking of live-action anime, I will say that the show that I just watched was Stranger Things 4, so that's mm. season 4, it is so excellent. Uh, it has what I would consider high-quality, like, akira kind of vibes if if you maybe if you were looking for someone to do a a live action akira or something like that the duffer brothers and have to me i feel like they've proven that they could totally handle it with some of the stuff that they're doing in stranger things 4
1: so well then you must be so excited over the moon from the announcement of their next project that you heard about right i saw news but i don't remember what project they're doing i heard that they released like a new project
0: studio within netflix or something i'm not i'm not sure
1: oh no what i'm talking about is the duffer brothers are going to be making a new live action adaptation of death note for netflix i did hear about that i instantly forgot
0: because of the first adaptation was just so bad and i was like i got to i have to like shelve this because i don't know what i can do with this information but yes (laughs) thank you for the reminder uh
1: you're talking about the first American live-action adaptation, right? Because First been... American live-action okay. that showed up on Netflix, yeah. Gotcha, because yep. there have been other ones. Like, I saw the original Japanese live-action ones in theaters, geez, probably like 14 years ago. Man, those are good times. I like those movies.
0: Yeah, well, but this... we jumped into the news, so you know what that means? It's time for the go-guy, go-guy, extra-extra, the Japan long-enclosed shinbun newspaper where we talk about well we start with a pretty big story from this past week um the former prime minister shinzo abe was shot dead during a campaign speech uh so he died at the age of 67 after being shot with a homemade gun uh this past friday so he was giving a speech outside of a train station in nara uh, when an assailant seemed to have taken like two shots Basically, gun violence is so rare in Japan that it was a shock and a surprise to the entire nation. Uh You know, every place is reporting on it, right? And mm-hmm. apparently, from what I've heard, the footage has been played so much in Japan that there is a question to, like, what effect that could have on the people there. Because it's such, like, a rare thing, and you just don't hear about it too often. So, mm-hmm. and then also... Like, that area, Nara, will now be forever associated with the incident. Um, it's a huge cultural, like, historical site, so now that's also relinked to it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so that happened, and the I'm sure that, as a lot of people have seen, uh, on the interwebs in the last week, right, there's been a ton of articles and uh, kind of a big controversial person that passed, right, so... Mm-hmm. I was kind of just educating myself, looking up some things, and there's an article to check out uh from The New Yorker that came out a couple days ago called How Shinzo Abe Sought to Rewrite Japanese History. Uh, and that's by Isaac uh, Chotiner. And I would highly recommend reading that if you want to kind of see some of why such a controversial person and uh some of the things that he was a supporter of that weren't so great. But, Randy, do you have anything you'd like to add on that
1: or uh, no, I think you, you covered it pretty much, but we have some uh, lighter-hearted reopening stuff to talk about. Yes. So,
0: reopening. Not a whole lot. You know, there was a big oh. burst of news for a while. But here we go. Uh, more countries are being lowered on the caution scale, I guess all i all like to call it. I don't know what they call it. They have those weird mm-hmm. colors and stuff, um, but they're being lowered on that scale for travel. And it's been acknowledged that Japan is entering a seventh wave of coronavirus. Shigeru Omi, the head of a panel of COVID nineteen experts. Uh he's not recommending any restrictions on travel though. And a little while ago, mask advisories had been adjusted for outdoors, though many people are still wearing them in the strong heat and humidity. And that has been like contributing to a lot of like heat stroke and exhaustion and children. Yeah uh i don't know having a lot of problems at schools with like gym class and stuff and um so hopefully more people will try to heed those like outdoor advisories that you don't always have to wear a mask but a lot of people still are like a big majority from what like i just hear on online and the articles in the mm-hmm. twitter sphere and all that uh but yeah and apparently most foreign travelers are like st- basically they're going to japan on business related activity and then they're fitting some like, sightseeing in on those trips, which differs a lot from the required tour groups that we had been talking about. So like a required tour group, you have to you know, have all of this stuff filled out. I know for business travel, you do too, but... A tour group, you have to be with a guide and it's really strict still. Whereas it sounds Mm -hmm. like if you go on business related travel, you don't have to be with like a guide or anything. And then you can just go do some fun things. So I don't know, Randy, what do you think? Like what kind of (laughs) business activity should we go over? Should we go interview some people for the podcast or something?
1: (laughs) Oh man, I don't know how comfortable I am skirting those things just by You've
0: been studying being, like, well.
1: You have like a streak in like Duolingo. I believe in you. <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, circumvent the rules just for that, Jared. But I suppose, you know, if you if you got business, you might as well cuz you're already there. Yeah, I'll just go file like an
0: LLC or something and Perfect. I don't know. LLC incorporated. I don't really know
1: all the differences, but <laughs> it's all business stuff that's over my head, too.
0: Huh. Uh, well, anyways, some extra news here. So we've got a few fun things. Uh, one of them, there's a Stranger Things cafe coming to Shibuya this summer. Hmm. Randy, I know we just talked about Stranger Things, but have you seen the epic season four yet?
1: Ooh, you know what? I watched season one, and then I watched season two, and then I didn't watch season three, and so then I haven't watched season four yet. I'm super behind. I'm sorry.
0: You're not that far behind. I mean, it won't take you too long. So maybe after your move is settled... And you
1: just need to, like, shut your brain off for a while. Check it out. Not too behind. Jared, like, one of those episodes is, like, two and a half hours long. Okay, season four? Yeah, the last,
0: very last episode, I think that's episode nine, is two and a half hours. And it starts to feel like movies, and it's awesome. It's so well done, I cannot understate it it's so well done that from now through september 4th a special pop-up cafe is going to open in shibuya <laughs> uh in shibuya fukuras at the il pronto bar in collaboration with netflix and it's going to be stranger to things themed uh specifically season four so the cafe is <laughs> they're going to rename it temporarily to like stranger pronto or <laughs> i wonder if that's like How they say that, pronto. And modeled after a classic American diner with foods like hamburgers (laughs) and milkshakes. And um, for fun, a Demogorgon-themed pasta. So eat your food. There's photo opportunities with backdrops and stuff from like season four. Uh, Randy, would you go to this pop-up cafe and get your picture taken with a backdrop from Stranger Things and a Demogorgon-themed straw in your hand? Or would you not do that?
1: Why not? Can I also get Eggos? Is that still a thing? You would think they would do waffles. Like, that's the biggest thing. <laughs>
0: but that menu, I didn't see it. They were like, oh, it's it's Eleven's first hamburger. So we're going to have a hamburger on the menu. Okay. Okay. I think she ate waffles more.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. That's
0: strange. Stranger things. Yeah. And then speaking of milkshakes, I won't say anything for season four, but I don't know if they should have milkshakes at that. Uh, anyways...
1: So. Oh no! <laughs> one of the whole episodes is that one of them is lactose intolerant and they have to go to the hospital. That's yep. such a that is scary. That's totally it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, moving on here. So Anime Expo
0: happened over like uh, our United States July Fourth weekend, and yeah. yeah, so I pulled some of like the biggest news from that. One of them that stood out to me was Bleach. Thousand Year Blood War. Uh, Mm -hmm. The trailer was shown by Viz Media. So, uh, I have to just say, I watched like 60 episodes of Bleach. I stopped after that. I didn't really care about this trailer, and then all of a sudden I hear this music, and I'm like, what is this? Like New Evangelion or something? And it's like I just like pulled my phone right up like really close to my face to read all like the staff credits, and it says music by Shiro Sagisu, who did Ava. And I'm like, oh my Mm -hmm. god. But yeah, Randy, are you
1: excited for this or maybe just the soundtrack like me? So, I'm not sure you knew this. Shiro Sugisu did the music for all of the original Bleach anime. So, you could go back and listen to all that good stuff. I did see that uh, when I I
0: I googled him. I was looking him up just to make sure it was him. And Mm -hmm. it's like, look at this. Uh, It's like a collection of like 70 songs or something. Like the best of Bleach. (laughs)
1: Like, oh my god. But I'm excited because I read all of Bleach and then like halfway through the final arc, I gave up (laughs) because I didn't care anymore. Mm. So I'm excited to see this. Uh, It should be a fun way to digest those last bits. And uh, Kubo had said that he's going to include... Uh, a lot more stuff that he had to leave out of the manga. So, hmm. it seems like this will be kind of the definitive way to experience the the finale, which I know a lot of people were not excited about with how it ended. So, I don't know. We'll see uh, how it all shakes out. I don't know how it ended, and I
0: think I'm interested in this. So, <laughs> it looked really cool. The trailer was really well done. Oh, yeah. But,
1: for speaking sure. Speaking of trailers. Okay. So... We heard a rumor about this like a few days, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, anyway, that uh, we were going to get a new Trigun project called Trigun Stampede. And lo and behold, it was real. Uh, And it's being made by Studio Orange. Uh, You might know them as the awesome people behind Beastars, uh, which if you haven't seen it on Netflix, go watch it. It's an incredible, incredible show. But uh, it's a new series, uh, CG, just like their previous projects. Um, everything's kind of very different. Uh Vash has a new look, different hair, different jacket, different arm, all this other stuff. Uh we've got a flashback of things and uh it's it's interesting and different. They also had an interview with uh Yasahiro Naitao, the original creator of the manga, as well as some people from Studio Orange, to talk about the project and how that, you know, the previous anime exists. The manga is also exists and is completed, so they thought, let's just do something new and kind of, like, do a reinvention of Trigun. And I don't hold anything super sacred, so I'm down for new twists on things, just because why do the exact same thing over again? Even though I desperately want a, ad- a animated adaptation of the manga, because it went in some crazy places, and also... That action is unreadable in the manga, so being able to see it better would be good. But it's exciting. Jared, what do you know about Trigon? Are you excited? I believe
0: I saw the first episode maybe once many years ago. I may have had an action figure of a character that I had recently possibly gotten rid of from Trigon. (laughs) And all I can say, Randy, is my favorite piece of news is that <laughs> the Studio Orange English Twitter account posted a photo of Yasuhiro Nighttau, the series creator for Tricon, right? At an in-and-out... Mm. And he has this, like, this look on his face and his hands are, like, out, like, presenting the food. And he's just like, look at all of this food. And it clearly wasn't <laughs> all for him. Or if it was, you know what, good on him. But it looked like, like <laughs> everyone's food was just, like, in front of him. And he's like, oh, my God. Um, so so <laughs> that's he's content. probably like, yeah, he's probably like Yabatan who is like, oh, I'm so surprised. But, uh man, yeah, that's what I
1: know. I feel like I really do owe it to myself to check this out someday so for sure i'm actually just w- wrapping up a rewatch of the of the anime i've got two episodes left i've been watching that with lunch uh, at work so uh it's good stuff 26 episodes pretty short and then the manga is like i'm gonna say 16 volumes so mm. give it a try it's real good any flavor you like gotcha
0: yeah if the story is good then and i should probably check it out yeah what else we got that anime expo Apparently, the biggest news from that weekend is that the series, Panty and Stocking with Garter Belt from Studio Trigger, uh, is getting a new anime project. So, like, they dropped this news and everyone freaked out. Uh, so, it's considered the biggest news of the event. I don't remember watching any of this. Randy, did you ever watch
1: this series? I never watched a single thing of it, no.
0: it's It was just, like, everywhere. It was just... You know, it was, like, Trigon? Cool. Bleach? Cool. Uh, other news on, like, other, like, important projects? Great. But no, Panty and Stock with Garter Belt was huge. Hmm. Apparently, there's a lot of fans out there, so.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I was in college when it was kind of a big thing, and I had a lot of people in my school talk about it, but I had never actually seen it myself. But, you know, I'm always excited for a new trigger project, so maybe I'll finally sit down and watch the old stuff so I can be as excited for the new as everybody else.
0: Yeah. And then there's a little
1: bit of some extra stuff here for Anime Expo. Do you want to take a look at that? Sure. I won't dwell too long, but uh, some other news out of there is a lot of uh, conversation and controversy about how Anime Expo handled uh, some health and safety things such as vaccination stuff and, uh, having people wear masks in and around the convention center, which previously they had said, you got to have a mask. And then they said, never mind, we're not going to do that anymore. And then there was backlash, so of course, and they were like, just kidding, masks, proof of vaccination, all that other fun stuff. Um, but there was a big article by Anime News Network out called uh, The Irresponsible Management of This Year's Artist Alley uh, by Bamboo Dong. And, uh you know, went through a whole bunch of different things, CO2 monitoring to see about ventilation in the building specifically artist alley. So, uh yeah, some some crazy scary stuff and hopefully that uh management kind of listens to what went on and and makes some changes for next year.
0: Yeah, hopefully the craziest thing is that yeah, this person who went as a guest brought um or just like an attendee I think, uh basically mm-hmm. brought a COT monitor like you said. Where apparently, like, healthy levels of CO2 in a well ventilated room is around, like, a level of 800 to 1,000 parts per million. Oh, for uh, that's right in the air. Parts per million. That's the anime. Uh, (laughs) In Kensha Hall, which is, I believe, it's like the basement level, which is where Artist Alley was, uh, the level was over 4,000.
1: Right. We had some people that were, you know, having. Uh, you know, some heat stroke things. They also did not turn on the AC for the first day. And when people had brought it up, they're like, yeah, we'll get on it. And they didn't bother doing it until the next day. So... It sounds like a mess. Yeah, yeah, big time. And it's being
0: compared to, like, other conventions where... Uh, There's some conventions that did the same thing, where they went back on their policies weeks or a month before, uh, where they had required masks and proof of vaccination for entry, and then, like, a few weeks before, they dropped those requirements, but you already had people who bought into Artist Alley tables and exhibitor badges. Um, Mm -hmm. Guests were also, I believe, told that that would be the requirements, but then, yeah, um, a lot of people went, and I guess at the convention, it was supposed to have been enforced – like, they had, like, security and people who were there to enforce masking, but then some of the security people weren't even wearing masks themselves. So, it just all yeah. uh, devolved into a sea of people. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, because it was, you know, up there close to pre-pandemic attendance, which is crazy. It's a lot of people all together in one place. Oh, yeah. So, changing gears here for our last uh, news story,
0: though, so this is pretty big for like Japan nerd culture. So the store or like the chain of store, so Toranoana, most of them are closing in Japan. And like one of the the biggest ones uh, in Akihabara, which is like a staple store, it's been there for 28 years, that's closing too. Mm. So yeah, it's the Akihabara store and five other locations. So it's a very well-known dojinshi or like self-published manga store. So there's a lot of that and merchandise and and stuff like that. It stood the test of time uh, much longer than a lot of other stores that had come and gone through Akihabara. Like 28 years is pretty long. The yeah yeah. So the last remaining location is in Tokyo's Ikebukuro neighborhood. And that store focuses more on doujinshi for female fans. Like many closings, this one was primarily due to COVID and lowered foot traffic from the last few years uh, for that location and the others. And that the Akihabara location... Basically, it's just seen as a landmark in many people's lives, like growing up, like teenage youth culture. uh, People go into the arcades there, buying anime, going to the anime store, uh, going to Torontoana. So, you know, it's just like a big piece of culture being lost. It's uh, one good thing or a couple good things, I guess, as a result of this in some way, is that their online store traffic has grown exponentially. So it's not going away permanently. Just the physical stores, right? So they also might do some art installations and exhibits in the area, and that's kind of neat because it gives you some extra reasons to go visit Akihabara to like go see some of those installations or maybe highlight a, a Dojin artist or something. So yeah, super cool. Yeah, and I've heard like stories too, like how I mean I've been in that Toranawana. It's just like a whirlwind when you're going from store to store. But I don't know, Randy, have you ever seen inside of? a store like that where it's just it's just like crazy it's just like books and books and books and like anything you pull off a shelf you never know what you're gonna find no never yeah yeah it's wild like i pulled a book once and it was a smash brothers doujinshi and there was <laughs> some stuff or a skyward sword legend of zelda doujinshi uh yeah there you know goes a little goes a little um <laughs> Out of the realm of what I was
1: expecting,
0: but uh, really fun (laughs) memories just pulling random books off the
1: shelf. That does sound like a a fun uh, way to spend an afternoon (laughs) just to go through and see what you can find. So anyways, the the travel
0: story this episode, we have a little bit of a contribution. I had been posting out there in the internet world, the digital world, looking for (laughs) basically, you know, we talked about our... Last episode, the 40 Unmissable Places and Experiences in Japan, and just asking you know people, what is your unmissable place, or what is your unmissable experience, right? So we had three people, uh, the Ranger X, Starstreaker, and Mathmia Man from a travel group, all saying that Takachiho is their most unmissable experience. Oh. Um, and in addition to Takachiho, the Ranger X also pointed out the Miyazaki Coast. So I just Google Takachiho knowing that most, mostly like one of the biggest draws there is the Takachiho Gorge. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful spot. But I was just gonna read exactly what Google said. like apparently Google wrote this <laughs> Takachiho is a town in Kyushu in Southwest Japan. It's known for Takachiho Gorge where a trail follows the Gokase River, also accessible by boat past Manai Falls. Surrounded by trees, Takashio Shrine dates back over 1,000 years. Among the town's many Shinto shrines, Amano Iwato Shrine faces the mythical cave of the sun goddess Amaterasu. Kunimi Gaoka Hills Observation Deck has views of the surrounding Kyushu Mountains. So, picturesque, right? Extremely. Yeah, I put a little picture here for you, Randy, so you can see how beautiful it is.
1: I'm looking at it right now. It is majestic. So, so verdant and so green. Yeah. And
0: you can basically like get on a boat and have like a little boat ride during like down that. So you go through a little, yeah, picturesque little area. And then, like I said, Ranger X also said that like the Miyazaki Coast. So I looked that up too. So it's the coast on the eastern side of Kyushu. Um, so Takachiho is in Miyazaki Prefecture. So maybe like they traveled down the coast to get there. Um, mm. So, yeah, uh, I'm assuming maybe... Who knows? Maybe they were on a train and saw, like, the beautiful views of the coast or went to some places there. Uh, You know, maybe they'll write in and tell us about it. That'd be cool. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. We got stories from the tea house. So grab a bowl of matcha and some Japanese sweets as we read the following story from Camellia Tea House in Kyoto. So... Uh, we're going to read the beginning of a community house thread about Tanabata, a star festival that takes place in July and August depending on when you celebrate it. it has to do with mm. the calendars and which one you want to follow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but first, an explanation of what Tanabata is from Japanguide.com. Tanabata, also known as the Star Festival, takes place on the 7th day of the 7th month of the year, when, according to a Chinese legend, the two stars, Altair and Vega, which are usually
1: separated from each other by the Milky Way, are able to meet. Uh, Because the 7th month of the year roughly coincides with August rather than July, according to the formerly used lunar calendar, Tanabata is still celebrated on August 7th in some regions of Japan, while it is celebrated on July 7th in other regions. One popular Tanabata custom is to write
0: one's wishes on a piece of paper and hang that piece of paper on a specially erected bamboo
1: tree in the hope that the wishes become true. Colorful Tanabata festivals are held across Japan in early July and August. Among the biggest and most famous ones are the Tanabata festivals of Sendai in August and Hiratsuka near Tokyo in July. All right, and now for the uh, writings from...
0: Camellia Tea House. So there's a very long thread of posts that they did, and I only selected the beginning, which goes into like that kind of romantic background. So mm. let's do this. The Star Festival. Chur chur. Insects also work with their looms. Stars of Tanabata from Issa. So Tanabata, also known as Hoshi Matsuri or Star Festival celebrates the reunion of Orihime and Hikoboshi on
1: the seventh day of the seventh month. A tale of love. Orihime, represented by the star Vega, and her lover Hikoboshi, the star Altair, can meet only once a year. On the seventh day of the seventh month, if the weather is fine, a mischief of magpies form a bridge across the heavenly river or the Milky Way. Orihime was the daughter
0: of the Sky King. Also a character in Bleach. Each day she wove beautiful cloth beside the Amanogawa, but her duties kept her from finding a partner. Tente thus arranged for her to meet with Hikoboshi, and Tente was the Sky King, a cowherd who worked on the opposite riverbank.
1: The pair fell in love and married, but soon abandoned their duties. Cloth went unmade and the cows caused havoc. In anger, Tente separated them and destroyed any means of crossing the heavenly river. But his daughter's sadness forced a compromise. A bridge would appear once a year. Ah, yeah. Time for the Star Festival. (laughs) (laughs) Boo!
0: There's so much rich culture and events and, like, ceremony stuff and, like, putting your wish on the paper and hanging it up. And there's just so much that this just kind of, like, scrapes the surface of that. I highly recommend looking up Tanabata, but especially on the camellia teahouse twitter the thread just gives you so much rich information it's really cool so yeah follow camellia teahouse on twitter at camellia kyoto for more japan culture tea and history posts and check out their website t-kyoto.com for pricing and scheduling and to spell that camellia is c-a-m-e-l-l-i-a so awesome yeah randy that about sums up our episode here episode number eight of the japan Longing club podcast so to everyone out there send us your questions and your travel stories to the at gmail.com or message us on lo- at long club at twitter randy where can we find you on the internet
1: you can find me at saber underscore breaker on that there twitters nice you can
0: find me at haname vlogger and you can follow the podcast online at longingclub club on twitter and look for the japan Longing club podcast on anchor Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And as they say, John A., and have a good day.
1: Sayonara. Marinara.